the church of the Lord Jesus has been going for, I guess, let's say 2,000 years. This is quite a long time. It all was started by Jesus. And thank God, it's <laughs> He's the head of the church, so He's overseeing the continuation of His church. And empires have come and gone and kings and queens and rulers and tyrants and all sorts of belief systems that have, ideologies that have surfaced. But God always and His purposes prevail. And so our privilege as a church here in the 21st century here in Berlin, and for those that are joining us today in Prague and Warsaw and the communities, young communities starting there, it's important that we continue the story that God started 2,000 years ago. It's a God story. It begins in Jerusalem, geographically, not just spiritual Jerusalem, but the physical, tangible place maybe some of you have been. And that's where one of the most profound, significant things that the human story has ever ever witnessed, and that is the death and the resurrection of a person called Jesus. We've spoken at other times about, did Jesus ever claim divinity? Did he ever claim to be God? And we've talked about that before. But God stepped into the human story, motivated by love, to solve the problem that we could never solve. And once he accomplished that through the cross, he stayed around for a few weeks, few days, speaking to those that knew him. He was now Jesus, not as man, but Jesus, the resurrected Savior. Ebb with them, talked with them, walked with them. And then one day it came a time where he was taken up and the men that were standing watching this were staring into the sky and the angels of the Lord or the angels of heaven spoke to the men and said, what are you doing? And just basically said, the way he has gone will be the way he'll come back. But in the meantime, get on with it. Do what you've been told. And the reminder again is not to do it without the Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit is the one that leads the church. Obviously, Jesus is the head of the church, but it's the Holy Spirit that we've been left with. He doesn't leave us as orphans on our own. He's given us the wonderful intimacy of the Holy Spirit. And every child of God should have a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because it's the difference maker. It's the seal of who you are. The number one role of the Holy Spirit is to not make you laugh, not make you cry, not make you roll around or do crazy things. The purpose of the Holy Spirit, the number one purpose, though the presence of God can make you fall to the ground, though the presence of God can overwhelm you, though the presence of God can literally become so tangible and so real that it just helps you to realise I'm not God and He is. But it's done in a, not a humiliating way, it's done as a 
beautiful reminder that we belong to God. So the number one role of the Holy Spirit is to remind you and I that we belong to God. That is the purpose of the Holy Spirit. You don't belong to Him, you don't belong to them, you don't belong to that, you belong to the One that created you. It's the beautiful reminder, the reassurance that you're not an orphan, you're a child of God. And if you've never ever engaged with people who have grown up as an orphan, if you've never engaged with someone who doesn't know their biological father or their biological parents, you'll never really understand the tension of this. The Holy Spirit always reassures you, you are just perfect because Jesus made you perfect before your Father. Holy Spirit will never lie. The Holy Spirit cannot lie because the Holy Spirit's God. And so we've got to remember the story of the church is the story of the Spirit. The story of the church is what Jesus did and wanted, he wanted, he wanted what the Father wanted to continue. So we have the Holy Spirit as the one that is the, the strength of the church, the breadth of the church, the wonder of the church, the majesty of the church. It's the Spirit of God. It's the Holy Spirit. It's the majesty of all that heaven has given us. And so we've got to realise the church is nothing without the Holy Spirit. Rituals and formulas, laws and creeds. There's a measure of these things and there's an element of these things that have their place. But at the end of the day, what are we if, we're not, if we don't have the Spirit? It's the Spirit of God that He breathed into humanity, amen. And it's the Spirit of God that we were told not to leave Jerusalem till the Holy Spirit has done what it's supposed to do. And that is empower us to be the representation that God wanted us on earth. And so really to talk about half of the house, we've got to talk about the Spirit. <laughs> the Gospel is the reason behind all Christian practice. The Gospel, the good news. It's the only lens that you and I will ever really be able to use when it comes to all meaningful work in society. The lens of the Gospel, the good news. And the good news is it's done. It's done. And so we're working from something that's completed. We're working from something that's been accomplished. We've been working from something that is finished. So in other words, you, your starting point is already ahead. Your starting point is already your advantage. In other words, you don't have to try and be something, you already are. And so this is what bring strength into the church. And this is why I think Heart for the House this year, we need to realise that we are continuing the story that God has started. And we need to contribute to that. And we need to play our part in that. And so it starts in Jerusalem. We know that. But the pressure is extreme. The resistance is hostile. Jesus Himself on a cross by Himself, all of His followers scattered, dispersed, a lot of people love Jesus, but at this final hour, where were they? They were scared. They were fearful. They were intimidated. They were overwhelmed. Most of them probably thought that He was going to be 
the, the, the new leader for the nation of Israel. He's gonna kick out Rome. He's gonna get rid of Caesar. He's gonna get rid of the Roman influences. It, they were thinking on a physical level. They were thinking on a political level. They were thinking even on a militant level, but they didn't really fully understand. It's by the Spirit, not by the might of man. It's not by the hostility of armies. It's not by warfare on a physical level. It's through the wonder and the majesty of the Name of Jesus. Every knee, every tongue will confess and every knee will bow. And so that's what's going on. There's something to lose and there's something to win. And so we see hostility towards who He is. Oh, they put a crown of thorns around His head. That will make Him look like a king, won't it? Mocking, despising, spirit of the enemy, always degrading, degrading. And, dem and demising and, and trying to pull down and, 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 and there He is hung on a cross, crucified, absorbing all of the rebellion and the sins of the world. Everything that we have ever done, past, present and future, it was put upon Jesus. So we're never gonna stop singing about it, never stop praying and praising God and thanking God for what has done. The single most defining, definitive, thing that has ever happened on the human story. And so what have we been given? The Gospel, the Good News. And when it's preached, it brings freedom to whoever believes. You can mock it, you can ridicule it, you can sideline it, you can kind of uh, imprison it, you can do whatever you want, but if it's God, you can't stop God. You can't stop what God is doing in the hearts of people because it's spirit to spirit. And so we have Jerusalem as the beginning and then people are persecuted, people are under pressure, the hostility is so strong. What it causes is people to move in different directions, north, south, east, west, but most people went north because of the trade routes. The Gospel basically followed wherever the trade routes had been established. Roman Empire began to build roads and infrastructure so they could get their armies out and get their armies back and get goods and services and supplies going. But wherever there was a natural pathway, God was using it. And so they went up to Antioch and Antioch is where we get to find out about Paul, who was Saul, but he became Paul. He got a name change. He wasn't one of the first 12, he came later. Some of them went down to Alexandria, to Egypt. But what happened is the Spirit was working, the Spirit was speaking, the Spirit was leading, the Spirit was reassuring, the Spirit was helping them to get above the problems and the pressures. I wonder how much you and I need the Spirit of God in the 21st century to get our heads above the problems and the uncertainty, the craziness of the economy and whatever it is that we're facing. If the first century believers needed to hear the Word of the Lord, how much more do we need to hear the Word of the Lord? They held on to it for dear life. And so they went from Antioch and then they started to move towards what we know today as modern day Turkey. And Paul did three missionary trips and it's estimated, I think, on the third trip where he started Ephesus. But the point is that this church in Ephesus was soon becoming an influential hub for God and for the Roman Empire. And it's at Ephesus where we see Paul start the church. We see Priscilla and Aquila 
start the church and take on the church and get it in its early years to its younger years in terms of its first 10 to 15 years. We see Timothy pastoring there later on, possibly up to 50 to 60,000 people were a part of that church in Ephesus. We see John later on, that's where he ends his days in Ephesus after writing the book of Revelation from the island of Patmos, which is not too far away. All of this is going on. You see, whatever Rome was doing, God was doing more. And that's what I believe you and I need to realise, heart for the house. It's always a declaration of what God is doing, not what the economies of man are doing. And if our heart can be towards Him, then we should never apologise for making a time in the services or in our church or in our community to say, look what God's doing. And so let's bring something that really reflects what is God doing, what is God saying, and God's got me in Jesus' name. So this is a definer. It defines our church. It defines us. It locates us. And it really helps us to realise, are we God people? Or are we not? And I really felt what God was doing with the believers in Ephesus is so connected to where really we are. Ephesus was a city that had people from all walks of life. And I feel like Berlin, we've all found ourselves here for some reason. Many of us come for work, study. Sometimes it's running away from something. Sometimes it's thinking that it's gonna be better if, they, if I could just get to Berlin. But whatever the experience or whatever the story, we've all ended up in the house of God somehow. We've come from different cultures, different continents, different contexts. And yet we've got to somehow realize that maybe God is doing something above all the other things that we're doing naturally. And so if God could take these people in Ephesus and do something profound in starting churches all across Asia Minor, we know because Jesus says about the seven letters in Book of Revelations, there was more than seven churches. It's just that seven speaks of the number of perfection. It's a completion. And that's what John's doing. He's doing a lot of sevens in the Book of Revelation. But it, it wasn't just seven churches. It was more. But if Jesus was to write to us in Berlin, what would He write to you and I? You know, would He... Would he critique us? Would he, uh, because this, out of the seven churches, five of them got a little bit of a reminder. Hey, Ephesus apparently left its first love. Had a great start, but then somehow got so successful that it forgot the whole reason why they were doing it. It doesn't say that Ephesus was terrible. It just said, hey, I hold this against you. And, 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 and out of the seven churches, only two of them actually go, hey, under extreme pressure, I commend you for not giving up. And so this is a churches, people from humble beginnings, all sorts of people, not sure if they've got venues because Rome was dominating. It was a very severe time at this time. The emperor at that time was highly insecure. Uh, had You talk about Nero um, in Rome being highly uh, detrimental and and uh, almost um, what we call narcissistic, but the, this guy Demetrius was even worse. And uh, people were were um, not Demetrius, whatever his name is. The name is Domitian. But the point is, is they still persevered. And I feel like it's important that you and I that we connect the dots. And that's what half of the house is today. It's really about connecting the dots. And, and let's not go into our future without the Holy Spirit. Let's realise our need of the Holy Spirit every step of the way. And let's be counterculture. In other words, we're not of this world. We're in this world, but we're not of this world. We have a different spirit. 
we have a Christ-like spirit where we're able to conduct ourselves, our affairs and our behavior has got to be Christ-like in honoring and in our working. So the gospel is the reason behind all Christian practice. The way we conduct ourselves, the reason we uh, get involved in the brokenness of society is because God cares. And we need to be able to understand this the gospel that should be the source of all our inspiration and motivation. I am so loved by God. Amen. That's all the motivation I need. That's all the motivation I need. I'm telling you, love is a very powerful motivator. And let it be love, His love for us that gets us motivated. So we know that God has solved the problem because His love for us has solved the problem. First John chapter four, this is how God showed His love for us. How did God show His love for us? God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. This is the kind of love we are talking about. Not that we once upon a time loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as a sacrifice to clear away our sins and the damage they've done to our relationship with God. So we've got a very good reminder here that God has initiated all of this. He's initiated the gospel. He's initiated the Holy Spirit. He's initiated the mission. He's initiated the vision. And I really believe for us, connecting that to Heart for the House today is realizing that we are truly on a mission and that we need to know how to contribute to that mission like so many others have gone before us. So I wanted to give you some of the ways that we can contribute. Simple and yet profoundly influential. First contribution that I really think we need to consider, and I think it's one that happens all the time, but it's something we need to remind ourselves, and that is contributing with your heart. Contributing with your heart. I'm not talking about your physical heart. I'm talking about what the Bible defines the heart of a person is. That's your spirit and your soul. Uh, you know, they say the eyes are the window to the person's soul. Well, you have a soul, you have a spirit and you have a body and all three are profoundly God honouring. In other words, you should honour the Lord with your physical body. You should honour the Lord again, spirit to spirit. God speaks to our spirit, amen. And our soul is the mind, the will, the emotions. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Isn't there, it doesn't say brain. Be transformed by the removal of your brain. No, 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 no. Be transformed by the removing of your mind. In other words, it's deeper than your brain. And yet anyone who studies neuroscience will tell you in the last decade, especially this particular field of dedication, this scientific in terms of neuroscience is profound because they're coming so close and pushing this, that there's more to us than just physical matter. This, 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 this spirit, this realm, this soul. And so contribute with your heart is talking about the spirit and the soul of who you are. So Proverbs 4, verse 23, above all else, above all else, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. It's like guarding your source, guarding your source and understand that if your heart is affected, your soul, your mind, your will and emotions are broken, it will affect everything you do. It affects your human interaction. It affects your capacity, your ability to interact with other people. It's actually, a, it limits us when we have a broken soul. And God comes to fix us spiritually and in the realm of our soul and in our bodies. So I think it's about important that we contribute from the, the health of our church is gonna come down to the health of us. 
Are you healthy? We'll be healthy. Am I healthy? Then we can be healthy. So can you contribute with your heart? What happens if your heart's not good? Well, take responsibility like all of us have to and let's work towards getting a heart to a better place. But if you're gonna contribute, you're gonna contribute from a healthy heart, amen? So I believe hearts can get healthy. Uh, my heart is not where it was when I first walked in. My heart was a selfish heart. My heart was all about me. And then as I started to walk with Jesus and learn from Him and learn from community, I began to realise less of me, more of Him, amen? And I think that's good for all of us. So you can contribute with your heart. Is your heart good? then we're gonna be better. If your heart's not good, it's really gonna slow us down. And so let's, let's allow the Holy Spirit to work with our hearts, amen? Number two, contribute with your words. Uh, we, 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 we just so kind of maybe just realise words are just come and go, but they're powerful, they're powerful. You can build a great atmosphere with the words that you speak. Um, Proverbs chapter 10, verse 21, the lips of the righteous feed many. I mean, are people starving around you or are you speaking hope into the people that you're surrounded by, amen? Because I don't wanna be a person that has got nothing coming out of my mouth so people are starving. It says this, the lips of the righteous feed a multitude. I, I want to let, let your words be the kind of words that feed people, you know? You, can, you don't have to join the gossip at the kindergarten. You don't have to join the gossip on Facebook. You don't have to join the gossip and your little Christian, whatever you've got going on, you know? Uh, so many people know about what's, what, what's happening here, what's happening here. Did you hear this? Did you hear that? I didn't hear any of that. Just switch, switch off from a lot of the gossip mongering that goes on and you'll find your life will be better. You know, I have on my phone found out how to put notifications on. You're laughing, but I have no idea. Because when my phone got upgraded, I was getting everything coming through. This was bleeping, that was bleeping. I just found out how to delete all notifi oh, notifications on everything. Joyce can't even get me. We have to figure that one out. But I love it. I've had such a peaceful life in the last 12 months. Proverbs 10 verse 21, godly people say things that help others. Are you the kind of person that what you say helps others or hurts others. And we've got to learn to realise that you have the ability to speak helpful words. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 24, keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk away from your lips. And I don't think it's good for us to be negative in the way we speak. And we've got to really understand, we can contribute with the words that we speak. What words are you speaking? I love my church. No one's asking anyone to be weird about it, you know. It's a devotion, uh, faith, not a, it's not fundamentalist, it's not fanatical, it's not extremism. You know, if your words are extreme, then we've got problems. If your words are fanatical, then we've got problems. You know, if your words are aggressive, then we've got problems. But are your words coming from a spirit of devotion? Like, like a mother to a child. They're, they're, the words are devoted words, like the father, uh, to the Son, the words of devotion. So let's make sure that our words are helpful. And I really believe you and I can contribute to an atmosphere that's healthy for our church by the words we speak, amen. And uh, some people joke when they say, oh, I don't like it when he does that, turn to your neighbour, he's so annoying, I don't wanna do that. I'm like, okay, I'm not trying to annoy you, but it's nice when someone says, hey, you look fantastic today. It's not normal for me to do that. I know it's not normal, but, you're a full-time encourager. So how is people gonna be encouraged if you don't open your mouth? Well, it's not my personality. 
We can speak words that are helpful within your personality, okay? Number three, contribute with your passion. Contribution with your passion. Imagine what kind of church we're building. Passion, enthusiasm, not silent. Honestly, passion and enthusiasm is contagious. It helps build a contagious atmosphere. I remember when we moved here at the start of the year, at start of uh, 20, uh, 2008, when we came to start the church, we built the church really from our home for 18 months. Um, we set a goal of 70 people um, and we wouldn't start a public service till we reached that. So one day we looked around in our apartment, it was an open plan, and 83 people in our apartment packed in like sardines. And um, Jules was on the keyboard somewhere. I remember that, get ready. And, um, and we, um, we realized we're gonna have to go to a public service. First building we ever moved into was at Potsdamer Platz. It was the building underneath the Sony Center. Uh, it was a beautiful theater there, 250 seats. And we did a service in there, very first service, and we got kicked out. And not much has changed since. We haven't been kicked out. Sometimes today it's not getting kicked out. Sometimes it's just getting in. However, churches continue to go from strength to strength. But I remember first couple of years, it was hard work. First three years, I delete from my memory. If you've never pioneered a church in a city like Berlin, you have no idea what I'm talking about. But the point I'm making is, is that one of the services we had, we started the service and there was a smaller crowd than obviously it was here today. Uh, maybe I think about 100, 150 people. And um, what happened is um, within, the first song hasn't even finished and most of the room has sat down. There's six people standing. And I was like, sitting down there going, okay, what's going on here? And I got up and, um, and Jules was leading worship. I think, sorry, Jules, do you, do we need to talk about this. I never actually considered, <laughs> were you traumatized by this? <laughs> anyway, what I did next was probably more traumatic to Jules than, but I got up and I just said, hey, um, hello everyone. Um, um, we are a standing, clapping, praising, soon to be dancing church. Silence. No one moved. And the atmosphere just got thicker. Some people call me Pastor Awkward. This is very awkward. I had a choice. Do I back down or run and cry or stand my ground? So I stood my ground. Let me say it again. But this time, I heard body language help sometimes. <laughs> Some of you are already like the spirit of that day's come back already. You're like, oh my goodness. Joyce is like, just move on quickly. <laughs> so a second time, we are standing, clapping, praising, soon to be. I don't know, Barbara, were you there as well? Can you remember it? She's deleted that from her memory. <laughs> second time I said it, and then that awkward shift, you know, slowly, slowly. I mean, not even quick, just. And a lot of people still sitting, so I said it one more time. And, um, and then most people stood up, there's still a few didn't. And we carried on with the service and Jules sang the song. <laughs> and we had church that day, but that week I was very busy with offended people. People literally, I wanna see you, why? 
I'm offended. Okay. So that week we were, I was meeting, not with everyone, but a few that wanted to make sure I was put and corrected and put back in my place. Um, I was like, okay. And they said what they said, and I brought friends, and how dare you, and I was like, okay, cool, all right. Um, Remember, we're talking about contributing with enthusiasm and passion, so let's get back to that. So, so I was like, okay, I understand, I'm, you know, your friends came because of you, you know, all that. I said, can I ask you a question just before, and he said, yeah, go ahead. I said, did you ever think about the young lady that was leading worship? You're saying that I've offended you, but did you consider that you were possibly offensive to her? I said, she came three hours early to get ready to lay the table so you and I could worship God together. She actually went to a team rehearsal midweek and practiced and practiced and practiced so that we could be ready for Sunday. So imagine this young lady coming to the front to lead worship, who's not paid, she's a volunteer, just doing it from the overflow of a forgiven heart, and she looks out and sees you. Any way that that could have offended her? But by the way, she's unoffendable, so you didn't succeed. But listen to me. Taking a small story and stretching it, but sorry, Joyce. All I'm trying to say to you is, listen to me, there's a lot going on there. And for even today, I'm risking saying this with some of you because you're like, "Eh." but listen to me, who defines the culture? I knew what God had called us to do. And that's why we're still here after 14 years. It hasn't been easy, I tell you that. But I tell you now, if I'd have given up that day, we would not be here and the church that we were called by God to start would not be here. And I won't let that spirit, because that's the wrong spirit. And it should not be in the child of God. Ungenerous, critical, judgmental. Really, it was nothing to do with me. It was everything that was inside of them. If you don't like yourself, I can't do much about that. If you have low value or low opinion of yourself, You don't believe God has forgiven you. But you see, I knew that day, if I didn't stand up and take a stance for who we are and who we're coming, I agree, there's different ways to do things. I was never gonna back down from that spirit because it wasn't people. You're never unpleasant to people, but it's the spirit that we sometimes allow to work through us. And that's not the spirit that Jesus said he would build his church with. And half of the house is never gonna be an unpleasant spirit. It's always about what he is doing and what he wants to do. So yes, our church is called to passion, enthusiasm, because it changes the atmosphere from hostility to openness, from closed and suspicion and judgmentalness to love, forgiveness and redemption. And I have no apologies for making that fight. And that's because I would have given up a long time ago. And it is coming down to who's gonna build the culture. If you don't build the culture, someone else will. And that's what you've got to make a stance on. So let me ask you the question again. Can we contribute with passion, enthusiasm to build a contagious atmosphere? Absolutely. The number one comment that people have given over the few months coming with all the venue changes. Wow, the spirit of the people are amazing. Wow, so friendly, so kind, so enthusiastic, so warm. Wow, wow, wow. Never once said, man, the man with the mic is a great speaker. Not once. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. But listen to me. What kind of church do you want to go to? Hard, judgmental, critical, cynical, 
Or do you want to go to a place where, hey, we're fine and <laughs> we're trying to find our way back from this brokenness. And I just found out that I can go to this place and go, wow, God's going to work with me. Amazing. I'm telling you, no one's perfect, but we have an opportunity to contribute to the atmosphere. Let it be contagious. Let, let people who struggle to believe God come into a place like this and go, man, that spirit's just got on me. <laughs> I was heavy before I came. I'm light and now I'm leaving. It's all down to the atmosphere. And I really pray you can do that. That took a lot longer, that point. But number four, contribute with your thinking. Be purposeful about having thoughts about yourself and others. You know, if you are judgmental, it's usually anything outward judgmental is usually coming from an internal judgment. And, and I just think we've got to understand the power of having healthy thoughts. So let's really remember Romans chapter 5, chapter 8, verse 5 to 6. People who follow, who live following their sinful selves, think only about what they want. But those who live following the Spirit are thinking about what the Spirit wants to to do. If your thinking is controlled by your sinful self, there is spiritual death. But if your thinking is controlled by the Spirit, there is life and peace. So how can you contribute to the health of the church or the health of the community? By your thoughts. What are your thoughts like? Do you arrest them? Do you pull them down? Do you play with them? Do you entertain them? What kind of thoughts are you having? But I tell you, the health of the church has got to be connected to healthy thoughts. Have you got healthy thoughts, amen? Because that's what trains wrecks people. That's what side wrecks people. That's what destroys people's lives. It's because their inability to get hold of bad thoughts, crazy thoughts, unhealthy thoughts, amen? What builds the strength of our church is this walk with the Spirit because it affects our thought life in Jesus' Name. Can anybody say amen? Number five, contribute as the team come up. Contribute with unity. Don't ever take unity for granted. Unity takes effort and brings God's blessing. And I really believe it's a call for us all to contribute to the unity of our church. Do you believe in what we're doing as a church? That's a good starting place. Great question to ask. And why are you even here? Do you want to be here? These are the great things that contribute to unity. There's a sense of shared purpose, a common purpose. And I really wanna encourage you to think about that. You can contribute to the unity of our church um, by deciding, I want to be here. I'm willing to be here. I'm ready to be here. I'm up for this. I really believe unity is not to be taken for granted. And let's protect that unity that we do have. Number six, contribute with thankfulness. Honestly, if the thankfulness stops, the growing stops. If you ever stop growing in life, I guarantee, look a little bit closer and you'll find out the thankfulness stopped a long time ago. You want to keep growing? Stay thankful. I'm just so thankful. I'm just so thankful. I'm just so thankful. There's a lovely girl somewhere around here called Amelia. I saw her earlier. Where are you, Amelia? Is she still here? Amelia, she's left. She's always thankful, always thankful. There's another girl called Tini, married to Philip, always thankful, amen? Most of you are in the room. You're just so thankful, but that's because you're growing, amen? So contribute with your thankfulness. I'm thankful for the church. I'm thankful for the team. I'm thankful for just the Spirit and the faith, amen? And I really believe that's what the Holy Spirit works so powerfully with. And the last one is contribute with your honour. And it's something we've forgotten in our culture today. Honour, honour, honour. You cannot receive from God without honouring God. Try it. Try honouring God and you watch. You will always receive from that which you honour. It's the same with respect. You cannot receive from people you don't respect. When you respect people, you will be blessed by people. But you've got to realise that is always inward first. 
have you got a respect for yourself? Because if you don't even like yourself, you're going to be very hard to like other people. So it's always internal before it's external. But honor is the same thing. You are the most honored person on the planet. Why? How, how is that possible? Because God has honored you. Now that honor that you have received, now begin to work with that honor. So you can't receive from me without honoring me. Wow, there you go. Go to any church, I've got to honor the pastor. You don't have to honor me at all, but you're not going to receive from me if there's no honor. But by the way, it also works for each other. You cannot honor that another person. You won't receive from another person if you don't honor the other person. So we honor each other, not just honor those with the mic. Amen. It's about honoring. Do you know that you are honored by God? That's what you draw from. And then you begin to live a life of honor towards others. Honor is what keeps you receiving. And when it's gone, so is the receiving. It's not rocket science because we're not trying to put a rocket on the moon or Mars. So can we contribute this thing called honor? Because what will it do to our church? It will keep our church receiving in a profound way. Receiving from God, receiving from each other, receiving, receiving, receiving. What does the Holy Spirit need? A spirit of honor. And it will keep the receiving going. Amen. These are the simple things of the gospel. And the gospel will always turn us into healthy contributors because God builds His church with that spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we come to the end of this message, the real direction here is, is we get to contribute with our giving, with our finances. To mention all the other things is easy. But this one is where you really find out because this is the area people sometimes hold on to. I'll let everything else go, but not this because that's where their God is. That's where their God is. And Sheila said it so well today is she had to learn. They had to learn how to uh, trust God. And so really when it comes to this particular it's, it's real, it's tangible, it's vulnerable, it's honest, but it really shows the true depth of the church. And it's an invitation for everyone. That doesn't mean everyone's going to do it, but it is an invitation for everyone to step out of their comfort zone and choose calling. Step out of their me, me, me to us, us, us. So it really does help define our church in ways that we never could. But whatever we're doing today, we're doing it unto the Lord in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.